Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Life is full of struggles. It seems like nothing comes easily. Many times it feels like we're wrestling with God himself. Is he standing in our way? Is he challenging us? Or is something deeper happening? We have a choice. Give up, walk away, or fight until dawn breaks. How will you wrestle? Before we jump into the message, I want to give you an update on where we are with our Reach Our World campaign. So if you take a look at the screen here, that's what we're talking about, the building uh, plan that we have in front of us. We talked about, yeah, let's get excited about that. So, woo! Where are we? Here's where we are. To date, we have one million. Yeah. Yeah. One million six thousand and some change in commitments over the next three years. We have a total of 164 families or individuals that are a part of this. And then so far we have received 403,000. That's pretty exciting, isn't that? Uh, so there you go. If you are new to Grace Life since we kicked this off back in March, uh, we would love to help you uh, find out more information and, and maybe pray about being a part of what God has us doing here in order to reach more people. So these have been in the lobby, but also right now we've got ushers to give one out. If you've never received one of these, you'd like one that just tells you what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, all that kind of stuff, just raise a hand right now and the ushers are going to pass out one. Anybody? Somebody right there. Anybody else never got one of these? Anybody else? Anybody else? There you go. Great. All right. Good. And so if you're wondering where are we, it is simply waiting to raise enough money to do what comes next. That's where we are. We're in the planning stage and the funding stage, and uh, that's no more Q&A. Because we did Q&A. All right, good. Hey, so we're going to get into uh, our series now. We're, we're wrapping up a series that we've been doing now for three weeks, finishing that today, our Wrestle series. And uh, we've been doing this because there are dark seasons in all of our lives, and we want to help you understand this. You know, I've told you a little bit about my own life where I, I knew as a teenager God had called me to do what I'm doing today. He called me to, to be in ministry and to preach His Word. So God spoke, and then my humanity got involved, and then the enemy got involved. And when you bring all that together, the wrestling really begins. And I've been through some dark enough seasons in my life that I would say my faith has almost been completely derailed, and, and the course of my life would have changed altogether. And I know that I'm not alone, which is why... We're doing this. We want you to know what God is up to when he's working in your life in those dark seasons. Because here's the promise. You, you know, there are promises we like and some you don't. But well, we'll just say it's the truth. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as having faith in God without wrestling with God. And so if you think that this is always going to be easy, well, that's why we're doing this series. We, we want you to understand what God is doing so that you can prevail. You see, God is not wrestling with you to toy with you. God is not wrestling with you to be mean to you. God is not wrestling with you to withhold something good for you, from you. He actually has incredibly good things for us. And the whole point of the wrestling is because our human nature does not allow us to understand the value of things from his kingdom, things from heaven. And so when he wants us to have some of these things, he wants us to have it with an understanding of what this is that he's given it to, given to us and so we wrestle with him to get those things because there's a principle in God's kingdom. If it's worth having, it's worth wrestling for, right? And so throughout the series, we've looked at some of these things. The first one we looked at was the idea that we wrestle him for a blessing. And some blessings come easily because they're small. 
And then some blessings come with a lot of wrestling because they are a lot more significant in your life. And so, you know, I've told you over the years, if you've been around Grace Life, especially during maybe marriage series or something, we've, we, we've talked a little bit about my wife and our relationship that we had, and, and it was a little difficult from the beginning if you've heard some of that. Matter of fact, it was so bad for a while that if we knew an Italian named Vinny, one of us would have had the other knocked off. That was a yes. And so... Wednesday morning, we're going to get on an airplane to go to the Caribbean for our 20th anniversary. There were many, many years along the way that I would not have used her name and the word blessing in the same sentence. But I would now. And my ability to do everything that God has given me to do in life is connected to that as well. My family is built upon, everything is built upon one of the biggest blessings, but one of the biggest wrestling matches we've ever been through. The bigger the blessing, the more you're going to have to wrestle to see it come into your life. Then last week in part two, we talked about how God wants us to wrestle to figure out who we're called to be. What is our identity? Today, I'm going to wrap it up with what I think is probably the most important message out of the entire series which is when we wrestle God, we wrestle Him to find out who He is. Because here's the reality. You can have the greatest blessing in the world, and you can know your identity in the kingdom, and without understanding who He truly is, none of that's going to do you a lot of good. And so I'm going to walk you through this passage that we've been going through. It's the same passage for three weeks. Some of you have gotten to a point where you've almost memorized it. Uh, and for everyone else, we're in Genesis 32. It'll also be on the screen right behind my head. And we're looking at the story of a guy named Jacob. Again, you've maybe heard the phrase, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who we're talking about, this guy. And, and his story and what he's experienced, what he's been through, because he had an encounter that included a physical wrestling match with what he thought was a man, but later discovered was God. And we learned some key things about our own journey from this. So we're going to pick it up right there. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, his 11 children, and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And again, to catch you up, if you've missed part of this story, what has just happened is that Jacob sees his brother coming in the distance with 400 men. And he hasn't seen his brother in many, many years. And, and the last time that he saw his brother, he had stolen everything good from him swindled him, and ran after lying and cheating. So he is pretty sure, especially how angry he last saw his brother, that he's about to die. And so he's decided that everything of value to him, he is going to send away so that if, if something happens to him in the night, if he's attacked, that at least everything that he has, all of his children, all of his family, and all of the wealth that they need to survive, they will be separated. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, and again, one of the most important things we've learned in this series is to prevail does not mean that you beat God. You will never beat God. God always wins. That's what makes him God. If you could beat God, we would call you God. So when, it, when we talk about prevailing against God, we don't mean that you ever beat him. What it means is that you don't quit. You don't give up. You don't listen to the enemy and you don't walk away that you are still wrestling with God when the sun comes up. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. I've done what I came to do. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
And he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, well, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God. For I have seen God and face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. What did Jacob get from wrestling? The most important thing Jacob got was a relationship with God. And you may think, wait a minute, I thought he already had one. And I'm going to say, I don't think he did. And I can prove it based on the way that he had responded in Scripture up to this point. See, he says, for I have seen God for the first time. He's saying, for I have seen God. I didn't know who this guy was ever before. And we don't get in this story a complete understanding of everything that took place that night. I have no idea what he truly understands about God at this point. I don't know what else was said. We've got a very short narrative of something that took place over many hours. We don't know what all it means in his soul that he has now seen God. But we do know one thing. A few verses before this, just before he goes to wrestle with God, he sees his brother coming, and he sees he's in trouble, and he prays. Watch this. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham, which was technically his grandfather, but that's how they did that, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, and in case you didn't know, when you see L-O-R-D, Lord, in all capital letters in your Bible, what that meant in the original Hebrew was that was his name, Yahweh. So we just put O Lord in capital letters. What it really meant is he said, O God of my grandfather, O God of my father, I even know your name, O Yahweh. The one who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do good to you. Just in case you're not paying attention, here comes my brother, and I'm pretty sure he's not going to do good to me. So, uh, hello, need you. Oh, God of my grandfather. Oh, God of my father. I even know your name. You notice that he never said, my God. It, it, it would be like this right here. This is my, this, I'm, I'm not saying this. That guy's name over there is Fabian. And what if I came to him and said, Fabian, husband of Donna. Fabian, leader of the first impression. Oh, no, logistics team. Yeah, I got to get that right. Leader of the logistics team. And Fabian, I know your name. I need you to do something. But I never said, hey, my friend Fabian, I need you. This is exactly what Jacob is doing. He's not... Not at all relating to God as his own God. And God says, you know what, Jacob? I appreciate that you call me God. I appreciate that you know I'm here. I appreciate that you worship me as your grandfather and father told you to. But we've got a little problem. I'm nobody to you. So, let's wrestle. And that's the next story. But check out what happens after Jacob wrestles, after he goes away in the next chapter. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Paddan Aram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. Why in the world would you buy a campsite? 
You're moving along. You're, you're going to go somewhere else. You don't buy campsites. Nobody does that. It's because he wanted to do more than camp. There he erected an altar. You see, an altar was the Old Testament form of worship. They would build an altar. It'd be their way of worshiping God. They didn't do what we did. We just drive along in our car, talking to God, listening to Christian radio. We know God is everywhere. We, we understand that. They related to God more in terms of places. They needed a temple or they needed an altar. It's not that they didn't believe he was everywhere, but they worshiped through places. And so he wanted to worship God. And so he erected an altar and called it El Elohi Israel. Anybody want to take a guess what that means? It means God. The God of Israel. And remember what had just happened. We've never heard this name until just last chapter. He used to be Jacob. You and I today, we've heard the word Israel so much, you don't realize it just showed up on the scene. And so Jacob, he didn't say, Oh God of Abraham. Oh, God of Isaac, he didn't even say, oh, God of Jacob. He said, you now call me Israel. So guess what? God, the God of Israel, I build this for you. This pile of rocks is not for the God of Abraham. And this pile of rocks is not for the God of Isaac. And this pile of rocks isn't even for Yahweh. This pile of rocks is for God, the God of me. My God. I have wrestled with you, and I know who you are. See, the truth is, we only know about God until we wrestle with him. If you'll forgive my really pathetic analogy, it's kind of like dating. People can say anything they want on their profile. People can say anything on Facebook. And the only picture they put on Facebook is one of them, you know, with like special lighting and makeup and everything, you know. And it's not until you actually spend time with this person that you figure out who they really are. And I would even go one step further and say it's not until you've been through a tough season with this person that you know who they really are. You know, you see all these rock stars with three or four people hanging by their sides because of the way that they're treated and the money that they have. Imagine if that rock star turned to him and said, hey, by the way, I'm broke and I'm not buying dinner tonight. How many of those people would still be there? You don't know who you're really with. Married people, come on, seriously. You got married and you said for better or for worse because in your head was better. <laughs> and then that other word showed up. And that's only when you figured out who you really married. You don't know who you've married when you win the lottery. You know who you've married when you're facing bankruptcy. You know who you've married not on a Caribbean vacation, but when you're sick and diagnosed with something. You know who you've married when you've been through the hardest seasons of life. And it's the same way with God. You don't know God. You know about God, but you don't know God until you've been through some hard seasons with Him and really experienced things. You see, you may know what the Bible says about God, and I'm very thankful that you believe what the Bible says about God, but it's here. It's in your head. And nothing about God is here in your heart until you've wrestled with him. You've got to go through those seasons. You see, throughout this series, we've talked to you about different things where we've wrestled. It's one of the things I feel like God told me to do, to be very transparent. And, and we've told you some of our story. And so if you don't know all the story, you're going to go back and catch the rest of the series. But one of the things for us that we went through 
was with our second child. When we lost our second child, her name was Olivia. And we began doing research. As soon as the doctor said, you're carrying a child that is likely not to live, we, we took the name of the condition and we went home and we looked online and we discovered, what is this thing all about? And at first we thought, oh, this is amazing. Christians have built websites who have this condition. They'll encourage us. This will be great. We've got other people in the kingdom who have been through the same fight. And so we started reading some of the blog posts that they wrote. And I came across this one where, where this person says, here's what you've got to do. You've got to pray to Satan and rebuke him for stealing your child and taking its life. And I have to tell you, at that moment, my theology began to form in concrete. I'd never had theology class at that point either. I didn't know much, but I knew this. If I need to stop what I'm doing and talk to the enemy to tell him that what he's doing is out of bounds and he better knock it off because he's apparently in charge, then I'm worshiping the wrong one. But I know I'm not worshiping the wrong one. So I know my issue is not with what Satan is stealing from me. My issue is with God. And although I didn't like him at the moment, my issue was with him. And I had a very big issue with him. But I'll tell you this. What we went through with Olivia. And then for those of you that were here for part one. And the testimony of Nathaniel. I learned more about God. And what I know and believe than in all my years of Sunday school, all the sermons, all the books, and the multiple times I'd read Scripture, I knew more about who He really was. Because I had wrestled and I would experienced. You see, the Bible says He's a miracle God. And you can know that. But you're never going to know that until you go through something in life that is without a miracle, your quality of life or your very life itself will change or maybe end. That if God doesn't show up, no one else can and no one else will. It's only when you go through something that you have to wrestle that much that you will know who he is and what you believe about him. The Bible says that he's a faithful God. But you're not really going to know that until you go through circumstances that make you question it. So that when he does show up, when he does fulfill his word, you'll never doubt it again. Do you know how you absolutely cannot stand those well-meaning Christians who show up with unsolicited advice when you're going through a hard season in life? And you are really in your dark days and they come to you and say, well, brother, I mean, they're like the church lady from Saturday Night Live. Well, you know. And they quote to you something they read on a picture in the Christian bookstore last week. And you want to reach out and touch someone. <laughs> right? Why does this bother us so much? They really do mean well. It bothers us because we are wrestling to know God in our heart in a way that they only know in their head. And they're trying to tell you, this is in my head, it should be in yours, and you should just get over it. And they're not at all helpful. 
The people who are actually helpful when you're going through something difficult are people who have wrestled with God. And they don't come to you with a saying. They don't try to remind you of a Bible verse you already know. They don't come to you with something on a Hallmark card. They come and sit beside you and say, I know what you're going through. My marriage was where yours is. My spouse did what your spouse is doing. Our children, we faced what you face. My finances, they were worse. I've been sick and diagnosed. I've wrestled with God. Let me share my story. And they don't try to tell you what you should do, what you should believe, or how you should do it, because they know you can only wrestle God for yourself. And they're not going to try to put something in your head. They just want to let you know that someone else is there. And those are the people that are helpful. Because when we're wrestling, we need people who actually know God, not people who know about God. See, when you wrestle with God, you will have questions, and that's okay. You will have lots of questions. Some of them will be good. Some of them will not be so good. And the response God has to them may irritate you sometimes. Matter of fact, it can cause us to really struggle. And I've read through this verse all three weeks and, and fought everything within me to not touch it until now because this is when I need to touch it. But did you catch this part? So, so Jacob's arguing with this guy about, well, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And the guy says to him, well, what's your name? And your name's Jacob. Okay, and then, all right. Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, what's your name? Seriously? That's all you can think to ask right now? That's the best thing to come out of your mouth? And he doesn't answer him. Matter of fact, his response is, why is it that you ask my name? And Jacob's next words were, I have seen God face to face. You see, he didn't answer the question because he didn't need to. He just said, you have wrestled with God and prevailed. Then Jacob turns around and says, I have seen God. And in the middle of these two things, these two big points of revelation, he goes, ah, what's your name? God? God? I know it. In other words, please, God, tell me what I already know. It was just a question of doubt. It was a question of doubt. He knew. And we will ask questions. And you will ask some good questions and you'll get some good answers. But look, you're going to ask some bad questions and God's going to ignore them sometimes. And the enemy wants you to get hung up here. Let me give you just one piece of advice when you wrestle with God. Don't get hung up on the wrong question. I have met people who are waiting on an answer to something that doesn't even matter. They'll come to my office and they'll sit down and they will talk about something and, and tell me why they're walking away from their faith and why they're walking away from God. And I'll say, okay, so, but, but why? What, what is the issue? And they'll tell me the question they've been wrestling with, for, with God for, for 10 years. And that? That is going to keep you out of heaven? That? You're going to let that take everything away from you? Are you kidding? That question is not that important. If God doesn't answer your question, it's not a good question. 
At some point, somebody's just got to tell us this stuff. Because we really do get hung up on the wrong questions. When you wrestle with God, it will have a lasting impact on you. It will have a lasting impact. You will wear a scar. But it will also have a lasting impact on the people you influence, which is all the more reason that you've got to prevail. Because the impact it has on you and then the impact it has on people around you will completely change if you prevail or if you walk away in the darkness. I've left out the final two verses of this passage for the last two weeks because I didn't want you to see what was coming. Some of you probably know the story, but if you don't, here's how it ends. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping. Limping because of his hip. He fought all night with God. And for a victory medal, God reached out his hand, touched his hip, and now he gets to limp? Seems a little wrong, doesn't it? He passed Penuel limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel, again, his people, the people of Israel, not just his kids, not just his grandkids, not just his great-grandkids. For thousands of years and generations later, everyone who would say, I belong to him. Their actions have changed because of his story of wrestling with God. I don't know about you, but my greatest hope for my kids and my grandkids and everybody for generations after is that they do not have to begin where I began, that they do not have to start in the hole that I started in, that I want to climb out of this thing, that I want to get as far as I can, and I want my kids to start with a head start. I want them to be on my shoulders and going up, not back at the ground. I want them to have the experience. And so I'm happy to share with anybody, and especially my family, the wrestling experiences with God, because I don't want them to wrestle in the same way. I want them to be able to run with that. Our greatest wrestling experiences, if we let them, will become our cornerstones of faith. They'll become the things that you never forget about God, that you lean on at your darkest times. And I told you at the beginning of the series, there is a cost to walking away in the darkness. And it's most often your relationship with God. But now I need to tell you, there's also a cost if you prevail. You will limp. You will walk with the limp. It's how God reminds you that what took place last night was not just a natural encounter. You see, we're really kind of forgetful as people. It's only about a month from now we go, oh, well, that wasn't that bad. No, that was fine. I don't really remember what I was thinking. I forgot to journal it, so now I don't. I mean, that's who we are. And God says, no, 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 no. We're not going to forget this one. And then God wants to leave a mark to remind you of your encounter with him. You see, here's the thing. Even though Jacob spent the rest of his life walking with a limp, Jacob never took a step without remembering who God was. No, he didn't run any marathons after that. That was part of the cost. But he knew more about God than everybody who did run one. 
It'll become a badge of honor. You see, the military gives out war medals for certain things that you can only get if you go through some of the worst, darkest, most horrific experiences and prevail. They don't give those out to just anyone. What you experience as you wrestle with God will become your badge of honor. My wife and I, our limp is very visible. Anywhere we go, every time we go as a family, everyone can see our limp. They see our first child, he's 17. We walk into a restaurant, there's the two of us, a teenager, and then this little litter of puppies that follows behind. <laughs> our limp is the eight-year gap between all of the kids. And people unknowingly all the time will ask the question, why, why is there a big gap between your kids? Were you planning or was the first one that difficult? Or... And I love to answer because it's a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor where I get to say, well, actually, we, we had another child in there. And they want to say, oh, I'm so... no, 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 no. I am happy to tell you what I know about God because of that. And you ask, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> See, I've learned a lot about God, and he's a good God. Because what I also get to tell you is the story of Nathaniel who came after that. And if you missed that, go back and catch part one because it all comes together. Olivia was middle of the night and Nathaniel was when the sun came up. And that's the way that works. And I'm excited to tell people about what God has done in my life and what I know about him. You see, for us, our eight-year gap in Olivia is a badge of honor. But if we had walked away in the middle of the night, it wouldn't be a badge of honor. It would be a very deep, raw wound, and I would hate for someone to ask me what the gap is. Jacob, Jacob built an altar. And he built this altar because it was a marker for this event in his life. He wanted to never forget what he had been through. And more importantly, he wanted other people who passed by to never forget. He wanted everyone to hear the story. Hey, you know, on the way into the city today, I, I passed a, a, a little altar built up there. Anybody know what that's for? Yep. A guy named Jacob, a couple hundred years ago, he wrestled with God, walked with a limp ever since. Now his people do this. If you tuned out everything else I've said today, or if you just need something good for your refrigerator, this one is worthy. Catch this. If we prevail... We will use rocks to build an altar of worship. But if we walk away, we will use rocks to build a tombstone for our faith. You will either use the rocks to build an altar of worship or you will use the rocks to build a tombstone for your faith. And you have a choice as you go down this journey of worshiping God. You will have some really tough Tough seasons and some dark times. And along your journey will be these little altars where you remember what you went through with God and how you prevailed. And will say, this, this is because of my God. And this, let me tell you about this. And this, let me tell you about this. Or you can take all those rocks and you can pile them up and make one big tombstone right in the middle of the journey and walk away. And you will miss out on everything God has for you. God wants us to wrestle him so that we'll build an altar of worship. Because before we wrestle with God, we only have an idea of God. 
He is who we think he is. He will do what we think he will do until he doesn't. And then the wrestling begins. And that's when you begin to discover who he really is. And sadly, this is when many of us walk away. In the middle of the fight, we begin to listen to the lies of the enemy. And we have this disillusioned idea, God is not who we thought he was. Well, that might be true because you might have had the wrong idea. As God begins to show you who he really is. Here's the truth. It's not until the sun comes up that you will know who you've really been wrestling with. You walk away in the darkness and you will never know that that was God. You'll think it was just a man. You'll never know who he really is. It's only when the sun comes up. See, the enemy wants you destroyed because you have to worship with God. And God wants you stronger because you get to worship with God. We didn't do this series to encourage you to wrestle with God. Because you will. We did this series to help you wrestle well. To wrestle until dawn breaks. And do not give up. You will walk with a limp. But it's better than a tombstone. I want to close by talking to those of you who might be in the exact place Jacob was. Just statistically, by the number of people in the room, I know there's somebody here who was, is where Jacob was. You've been to church a lot. You even know God's first name. He was your daddy's God and your granddaddy's God. Maybe he was your, your mom's God and your aunt's God who prays for you and asks how you're doing every Christmas. But he's not yet your God. And it's time for that to change. It's time for you to go from the point where you know that Jesus died for people to where you know he died for you. And you make an exchange with him. Thank you for dying for me and now I want to live for you. If you've never done that, I want to help you do that right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. You don't have to stand up. You don't have to do anything. Matter of fact, I just want to help you have a conversation with God. And so if you would all join me, pray something like this. Say to yourself in the God, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now I want to live for you. I thank you for your love for your mercy and for your forgiveness. I thank you that you have not let me walk away, but you have wrestled me. And so my simple prayer today is that you will give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gracelifeme and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.com.